from Local 12 Sports. It's the Skinny Podcast. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals post-game edition. As Chris Rankle and I break down the Bengals' loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's presented by Blake, the attorney Maislin. Three straight losses for this team. We expected a little bit of a step back in this game, I think, because Browning first start. The Steelers really good on defense. Your overall thoughts after this loss? Yeah, and, and I wrote this at Local12.com. Listen, you knew going in you were compromised with no Joe Burrow and with Browning making his first start. But the, the issues that have been there for most of the season – that uh, they have not overcome the inability to run the ball consistently, um, the inability to stop the run consistently, the inability to, to stop explosive plays. The Steelers went for 421 yards, the first 400-yard game for them since COVID year in 2020, September 2020, 58 straight games. Listen, some of that you can maybe say new offensive coordinator, blah, blah, blah. Some of the side, you got to look at the Bengals' defense and go, they're just really bad. The personnel isn't very good. We overestimated this group significantly. I thought the defensive backfield really showed its inexperience and maybe a few holes there. Yeah. You had George Pickens wide open. I know Mike Hilton was trying to cover him. That's a size mismatch. Pickens is going to get that. But DJ Turner made a couple nice plays when he punched out that ball on the touchdown. He still got burned on that, and he got burned a couple of times. What's the fix here with this defensive backfield? Is it just time experience yeah, I, I, or is I think, it what? I think it is. I think that's the big thing because you like and, – and, again, I'm not making excuses, but everybody goes through it. Missing Cam Taylor-Britt today was significant, yeah. the trickle-down of, of that effect because you've been trying to rotate D.J. Turner and Shadobia Wujie. Well, today both of them had to play significant snaps because of no Cam Taylor-Britt. Um, hey, Pittsburgh was out making Fitzpatrick, so, you know, it's a, it's a tit-for-tat situation. Yeah, but I, I do think, you know, when you have a lot of young guys – I mean, they started today two rookies in the secondary and a second-year guy. Uh, Jordan Battle started at safety, second-year guy Dax started at safety and then one of the corners was obviously rookie DJ Turner um, that's a tough way to live in the league that doesn't excuse the run defense though that's the thing that's so dismaying at this point is it feels fixable because it's a lot of the same guys but it's not because it's the same guys doing the same thing week after week at the moment I was happy about it because Najee Harris was on my fantasy ah. team I had to start him he had 100 yards and a touchdown, a touchdown yeah. well we'll take I'm not going to argue with the officials on the holding call. They look like holding. Doesn't matter. It was called or wasn't called, rather. It was a touchdown. The Bengals didn't lose because of that play. Uh, it, Logan Wilson had been so good at linebacker position. Pratt, it looked like this was fixed. I mean, what has been the difference the last Great couple question. of weeks? We talk to Luana Rumo every week, uh, either on a Monday um, or on a Wednesday, Thursday. And, you know, after that three-game winning streak, it felt like it had been fixed. The missed tackles were happening less and less. I think the last game of that three-game winning streak, there were four missed tackles. Um, they were giving up some yards, but you kind of excuse that because it's always been Lou's M.O. of yards don't equal points, and they would come up with key turnovers at the right time. They would come up with key stops. They'd make you one-dimensional. And so it all seemed right with the world, the Buffalo game, the Seattle game, and, and the San Francisco game, all less than 20 points. Again, yards were given up in some of those some of those garbage yards. But the last three weeks, I mean, Texans put up 544 on you. Um, you know, Baltimore puts up an easy 405 on you. And today the Steelers, and they're awful. Uh, they're awful. And maybe a new offensive coordinator helps some of that. But they put up 421 yards. This is an ugly trend. And Lou seems to each week think it's about to be fixed. You know, it's a run stop here. It's a guy not doing this there. Uh, you know, he thought Jordan Battle would add. And I thought Jordan played pretty well today. Comes downhill a lot, physical, all those things. I think he thought he would help in the run defense. But you look at it at the end of the day, 
take away the three knees at the end of the game, they average five yards a pop on 30 rushes. That's big in this league. This isn't the MAC or the WAC or one of those bad conferences where you can run all over the place. Hey, respect for the MAC. Uh, Come yeah, on. Okay, I'm sorry, but you can run all over some teams in the <laughs> You in, can in run the all over some teams in the but MAC. But 5.0, as you know, in the NFL is just a huge number. Yeah, and you can't use the excuse that Sam Hubbard, your best run no, defender, was out because Sam right. was back yeah. there. He, he looked like he was his normal self out there. Didn't look limited, at least to my eyes at all. Lou Anaruma, the last couple of years, we've been pr- like praising him that he's this defensive savant he's a mastermind of how he attacks things is this taking a hit to that idea that Lou as the defensive mastermind it, it, it is but I'm not sure it should I just wonder and look back and go is it really just the personnel it, you know has DJ Reader just reached an age where he's regressed a little bit? Is you know, has BJ Hill always just been more of a rotational tackle than a starter? Um, Sam's a good player, but not great, but very good. No, I don't. I would take you know, Trey Hendrickson's forte is more pass rush than run defense. Jermaine Pratt hasn't been very good. He's been very inconsistent. I think Logan's probably been really consistent, but then you got all the rookies on the back end, and it's a fit here, a miss here, a miss tackle there. But it can't happen, and it seems to happen game after game after game. And so maybe you look and go, huh? Maybe we're just not as good as we thought we were. Jake Browning obviously is going to be the headliner in this game because it was his first NFL start. I think anybody who thought he would step in and be remotely close to what Joe Burrow was was kind of fooling themselves. I didn't think Browning played all I that didn't poorly. I think, uh, you know, the receivers, they were okay. I, the guys around him just didn't seem to pick up the slack. Yeah, I mean, listen, the interception was bad, um, made a bad throw, bad decision, however you want to look at it, because that was going to be at least three points, and it was big. And you can argue, if you'd like, it's the turning point of the game, and maybe it was. Um, but, again, I go back to all the other flaws where you can't run it an ounce and you can't stop the run, all those things. But, I mean, if you look at the raw numbers, 19-26, touchdown interception, 96.9 passer rating. You can hate passer rating. People do, but it's a number. And Joe Burrow's career passer rating is right around 100. Jake Browning's passer rating for the day was right around 100. So, um, was he great? No. I thought they limited him a little bit, too. I I thought they were going to let him not rip it all over the place, but it didn't feel like there was many downfield opportunities. Either he didn't like to take, didn't like the look, or they just didn't call. It felt like they played a lot of that stuff in a phone booth, and I, I don't think that's that's fair to him. I know you're trying to protect him. And I think Jake t- told us this on whatever day. We talked to him Wednesday or whatever. Um, he was like, hey, I don't want to look back at this and go, I regret – them limiting me, just turn me loose and it's on me at that point. And it didn't feel like it was on him. I Again, the interception was bad, but he didn't lose the game for them. The other areas we've talked about did. I wondered that myself because the last couple of weeks when when I, I, when Cleveland played Pittsburgh, it seemed like they did that with Dorian Thompson. Sure, Robinson I, yeah, was, I, hey, you're a rookie, go right. out there, don't lose the game, we're going to put you in that phone booth. It almost looked like they did the same thing to Jake because when you're facing that Steelers defense, that's their strength and they rely on you making a bad mistake, ergo the turnover turns into the touchdown. That was the deciding factor. Do you think he has more in the tank? And do I you do. think we'll see more out of him next week? Yeah, I, I would hope so. I mean, you know, maybe today was a game that you really felt like, hey, let's not lose this as opposed to win it. I always hate that philosophy. I do understand it. Right. Because you steal this win, then okay, you're still in the playoff hunt. And okay, you get another week of Jake having reps under his belt. And, you know, maybe you go to Jacksonville. They were coming off a game against Houston. You catch them in a weird spot, even if it's a Monday night. And suddenly you're still in the playoff race. And there's another week for Jake, but after today, let's see what you got in the kid. Let him rip it. I, I'm not here to tell you he needs to throw it 40 times, um, but if they can't run the ball an ounce and they got to get more creative and they got to do some other things in the run game, but if you can't and you're not going to run it consistently, then you got to win by throwing the football. you got to win by throwing it 45 times if you have to. You know Skinny's a veteran because he's leading me into my next topic right off the bat. The inability to run the football. Ooh. What was it? Eight rushes for Joe Mixon? For 16 now, yards. Now Mixon has been, he's been okay when he's had to run. They haven't run it a ton, obviously, because you've got a guy like 
like Joe Burrow, you make him the highest paid right. player in the NFL for a reason because he's really good at throwing the football. They need to run the ball more. I think that's the general consensus, or at least more effectively. More creatively, I think, is the thing. That, that's the part for me is it feels like, and I did the math. It wasn't what I thought it was, but it was, you know, of the runs, five of them were out of the shotgun, three were out from underneath center. And I asked Orlando Brown after the game about, you know, I'm not asking to point fingers, but does running under center, how does that help you guys as offensive linemen? I thought he gave me a great answer about footwork and firing out and, and following a running back's track. Um, you know, to me, and I did some math on this, and it wasn't, again, quite what I thought it was, but it was still pretty good. The most effective running game for Joe Mixon this year was in San Francisco, and that was really the first game they put Joe Burrow back under center a little bit. They didn't want to do it because of the calf. And lo and behold, Joe had his best rushing day. He had seven carries with the quarterback under center for 34 yards. He did pop his biggest run out of the shotgun early in the game, but they were able to mix more of that stuff in. And it just, it, I was surprised today with Jake Browning not going under center more. With This seemed like a run-heavy day. Even if it was run, run, third and five pass, I think you had to do it. And a heavy bootleg day because one of Jake's strengths is he's not fast, but he's got functional speed, good out of the pocket, throws it pretty well on the run. Not one single bootleg today. Not one single bootleg today. And some of that, if you don't run it, you're probably not going to bootleg it very well. But, um, yeah, I, I think they just have to be more creative. Is that going to be two jet sweeps a game to, to Jamar Chase? Yeah, maybe. But it just can't be shotgun run up the left guard, off the right guard, off right tackle. It's not working. It hasn't worked all season long. Some of it is Joe Mixon. Doesn't break tackles. Doesn't have the burst he used to. But to, to, to the point of, uh, of Zach Taylor today, don't make this about one guy, Joe Mixon. He's right. It's not. This is about schematics, about guys up front, about what you do under center or not under center, and then plow Joe Mixon on top of that where he's just not as explosive as he used to be, and you have a crappy run game. Yeah, he said don't make it about one player, but all we saw out there was one player running back. Now the question is, Chase Brown, you brought him in to be that number two to take some of the load. Yep. He seems like a guy from his college tape because we haven't seen him in the pros yet, has a little bit of explosiveness behind him. Why no Chase Brown, do you think? Great question. He said he was good to go, but he said, listen, I'm just here to do my job. And when they tell me to play, I'll play, all those things. Um, you know, talking to Brian Callahan during the week and then talking to Zach Taylor on Friday after practice, it sounded like they wanted to put him in a little bit more. They had a plan for him in San Francisco week, the week he got hurt. Um, and I truly believe they were going to utilize him a little bit more. Uh, it was puzzling to me today that if they're not him, then Travion Williams. I don't care who it is. Somebody. But, but give me somebody else for a different look. And they never did that. And, and, you know, for the fact they were thinking about Chase Brown and didn't do it is just it's mind-boggling and puzzling to me. And you can tell me, well, we didn't have enough plays. We didn't have enough plays because you weren't able to get in functional situations on third down because you didn't run it well enough on first and second down. Give somebody else a shot. Jamar Chase, when we talked to him in the locker room after the game, he was short. I know he's usually like that after a loss. And pro he, enough to talk. Pro enough to talk, which was nice, but he really did not say much. No. Do you sense a frustration kind of brewing? Because I can't remember the direct quote. I wish I had it in front of me. I'm not probably using it for a story, but I do remember the quote, and I think it's on the uh, the quotes we transcribed, was somebody asked about, have you ever been in this situation? Like, Man, I've never been five and six before. Um, he hasn't. I mean, all the guys known is being a winner in college, his first two years in the NFL, a Super Bowl and an AFC championship game, being a big part of that. And suddenly he's sitting here on a losing team at the moment with a lot of frustration swirling. I can. Again, I thought he handled himself just fine. Oh, he got a little short with us a couple of times and said, man, you're all asking the same question. Well, yeah, well, one guy doesn't hear the question, et cetera, but I get it. But, yeah, I, I, I think that whole locker room today felt like they know that this season is now short and almost over. Now, you bring up my, my last point here. Uh, I had a friend text during the game and say, should we be rooting for losses to better our draft position? 
My thought was losing is contagious, and if you start it getting, does, it is. if you start thinking, oh, we're going to lose, we'll start that planning for next year, that might become several years because you know the, the culture yep. gets ruined because you start tanking. But should Bengals fans be going, let's start looking at the draft position, or do you think they should still nah, potentially I, salvage this season? Fans with a few are wins? one thing, players and coaches are other. Fans, I, I don't blame them for rooting for that because you, you're looking ahead. Players can't do that. Coaches can't do that. I know there's a great conspiracy theory of how the whole thing shook down to get Joe Burrow, right? But And maybe it did, but I, I just don't think players or coaches are wired that way. I mean, you are wired to win and to try to win at all costs. Remember Brian Flores was mad in Miami that they supposedly asked him to tag. He's like, no. I'm not, we're not doing that. You work too hard to try to win games. And, again, your job is on the line, too. So if you start playing like garbage, they look at you and go, well, we'll move on to somebody else. So I get why fans would be wired that way, and they're probably not wrong, but there's no way coaches and players are wired that way. The silver lining for Richard Skinner here is Mark Stoops is staying at Kentucky, so he's at least kind of happy on this Sunday. Happy about the win yesterday. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals postgame edition, presented by Blake, the attorney, Maislin.